Hi, this is David Key. At Quo, we've worked for the last 20 years with many of the world's best-known travel brands. During this unprecedented global crisis, our world of travel has changed, possibly irreversibly. This series will see us speak with many global leaders to understand how they see the future of travel. Clint Nagata, founder and creative partner of Blint Design Group. Welcome to the future of travel. Thanks for being with us, Clint. Thank you, David. It's good to be here. Good to see you after all these years. It's, it's really good to see you after all these years. And it's nice because we've got a, a long friendship of, 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 we were just saying, about 12 years. And we've both been in the same industry for, for that amount of time. And neither of us have ever faced anything quite like this. That's true. We're both in the same boat together. It's, it's uh, definitely um, you know, challenging times, interesting times, to say the least. What positives are you taking from it? Uh, you know, we've re-looked at our businesses and, and um, you know, always trying to stay one step ahead. And, and for design firm, it's important that we always look to innovate. Um, and I was asked the other day, how, do you, how does this pandemic really change or does it change the way we design and and i think it does you know it's given us a new perspective on how to sort of recreate guest experiences in what ways and and can you i mean let me ask you the question before that but how can you change the way you design how deeply ingrained is design is your design ethos and can you actually change the way you design I, I, you know, it's for me. It's it's um, interesting because you know, like you, uh, I've not stepped foot on a plane in, in I don't know how many many weeks now. Um, and for people like us that are always used to traveling, uh, this sort of new norm has really forced me to step take a step back and relook at sort of what I would like to see or experience when I travel, and and definitely I think. You know, authenticity always comes to the surface, right? Having been stuck in front of a TV for for five, six weeks now, it's you know I always feel myself thinking about another place and um, where I'd want to be. And I think it's always good to have that ability to immerse yourself in cultures. So to create and to continue to create environments that reflect the culture. Um, that existence is, is very important to us as a brand, as a company. So this virus, have, if anything, has taught us to refocus on that and, and keep looking for new ways to create cultural experiences. Culture is, is a multifaceted dimension. And as you know, I mean, we work very deeply with it. Um, in terms of forming culture and integrating it into community, um, do you think there'll be a made there'll be any kind of significant evolution post virus of what is the perception of culture and what people are looking for, and with particular reference to purpose and the generally accepted notion now that the the the, the luxury traveler or the travelers all together are going to be looking that most typologists are going to be looking for more purpose. Yeah, I think, you know, sort of pre, pre-pandemic, you know, that notion or the, 
the desire of sort of the traveler to look for more genuine experiences has always been there. I think the virus has sort of propelled it uh, to develop even further. Um, so, you know, whether you're in, in the Maldives or uh, in Thailand here, that you really want to get a true sense of what that culture is, is like. So I, I think it really has sharpened things. I don't know if it's really changed uh, travelers' perceptions as it currently stands. It's just sort of changed the sharp the, the focus to be sharper. I've always uh, I've obviously done an awful lot of work in the Maldives and and have worked particularly hard over the last seven or eight years to try and integrate local culture into brands, mm -hmm. into so trying to get guests, for example onto local islands and to create experiences on local islands for guests. Um, to some degree, it's been successful and to some degree not. Again, just using the, the this kind of bridge, the, the pre-post-virus age, and that's one form of community engagement. Do we sense that a more, well, we're going to be living in a more democratized, a more democratized world where all forms of guests are going to be looking to integrate more into communities? I, I think so, you know, but I, I think it comes down to how do you interpret that into a, a design or built form? You know, for us, it's, it's always important to interpret um, rather than to copy. So, you know, to have things that are also implied. You know, when we're doing a, a project in, in Japan where we, we've been researching the history of the place of Kyoto, um, and trying to approach it from the perspective of a local. So it's not a foreigner interpreting Japan, but it's a local is who's retelling the story about their heritage. So it, it's important for us to really find the authenticity and then try to take that authenticity and explain it through a design in a very interpretive way. So it's not like you're going to Disneyland. Um, which is, you know, can be culturally correct, but it's a copy of something that happened in the past. Will you, in that, in, in the Kyoto um, example, will you be imagining more branded partnership experiences where a local barber, um, a sushi maker, a sushi uh, mm. maker, or whatever it is, will actually integrate into the into the brand into the product itself? Yeah, so we, we've been trying to find experiences that are, that are explicitly based on life in Kyoto, not necessarily life in Japan, which is a you know, much broader right. perspective. And to find ways to introduce someone that's of that place into the hotel itself to give that really authentic experience. So trying to create, create moments for that experience to happen is very important in uh, you know, providing a very... Um, on on brand uh, experience, as you would say, right? Some of the work that we've been also doing over the last year or so, particularly, is looking at the new the youngest generation, the Generation Zs, yeah. and their desires, not just for sustainability, environment, community, but to be more integrated into the into the world where they're traveling or where they're going to. I think that possibly will become more pronounced as we go forward. And in terms of 
you know, we was talking before we started recording, you're saying you're, you know, you're, you're creating now for five years down the track, five to 10 years down the track. So it will be well past the, the virus. Is that coming into your design ethos? Is that coming into what you're, what you're looking to do? Absolutely. I mean, you always try to stay years ahead because when you design something, you know, best case scenario, you may open in five years. Worst case scenario, you may open in eight years. You, you don't know. So it's sort of having a look into your crystal ball to say what, what is travel going to be like in the next 10 years, right? And you have to look at this generation, the millennials, um, and design experiences that suit, you know, where they're headed uh, as a generation. How do you do that when a millennial or a Generation Z or a Z person today is 20, 22 years old and in 8, 10 years they can be 30, 32 and they're yeah. very different? Yeah, I, I, I can't agree any, anymore. Um, I mean, our, our approach is to, you know, as a firm, to really give the opportunity to our young designers who are that age, that generation, um, to actually have a lot of creative say in our projects that we think help fuel a different experience, particularly for that generation, that mindset, right? Um, you know, you and I are not in our 20s anymore. Um, and it's, it's good to look at the problem, the design problem from a fresh set of eyes. So we always try to refocus, you know, like let our staff, uh, we have great talented staff, um, let them come up with designs that really embody, you know, their lifestyle and their lifestyle today, but their lifestyle going forward as well. Do those designers imagine space in a different way? So, for example, how you imagine space? Well, they do. They have, they have different perceptions on space, on time, uh, on what luxury is. It's, it's, it's very different from what people our generation envision those things to be. So it's, it's something that we, you know, always try to pull back in is where, uh, you know, the audiences, uh, the guests, where their perceptions are coming from. And how much does their desires, their, their ideas, their imagination gel with your clients? They, we have clients that are also of that, of that same generation. So that, um, you know, the vibrancy between the two is quite fascinating. So I always just sort of take a step back, let that orchestrate, uh, you know, let that happen together naturally. Um, and we find that our clients uh, are quite happy. You know, they get sort of the, the answer to the, their questions from their perspective, um, which is, you know, for us, a happy client makes a happy architect, right? And how much does the how much is the aesthetic of Blink? And this is not a PR question. I'm just I'm in, yeah. intrigued from a generational idea, um, idea. How much does the design aesthetic of, of your firm if has it has it evolved? Is it evolving? What we will see in five years' time, and from what you've done over say the previous five years. Yeah, I, I think as a design firm, you always want to uh, evolve. You always want to grow to, to you know, it, it's always about keeping, keeping up to date, keeping things fresh. And, you know, we've always managed to reinterpret um, 
our design ethos, if you could say we had an ethos, um, across different platforms. So, so we sort of, I've always sort of viewed Blink as a platform for design. And from that platform, we're able to create different experiences and designs, uh, taking into consideration, you know, the site location, um, the operator, if there's an operator or the hotel brand. And last but most important to us is the owner, you know, their vision and their, their, their dreams. So that's, you know, these things always help us to reframe and relook at projects differently. And I think as a result, you end up with a different looking, um, hotel uh, every single time as you know and, and you've listened to a few of the podcasts we have been speaking very much as as this moment in what will become history right. as the bridge between analog and, and and digital and i think that no more clearly applies to design mm. where historically even up to January of this year, we were in an, an, an analog age, and now we're moving into a digital age. How's that going to impact? How's that going to change that? Well, I, I guess in design, if we talk about design from a technology standpoint, um, you know, we're always trying to look at new technology to, to make our designs more current, whether it's building technology, um, you know, words like um, upcycle are, you know, relatively new, although it's not a new new experience or method, um, are important nowadays. Uh, we've always tried to bring technology into also how do we uh, present our designs as well. So that's really been pushed to the forefront uh, in the last uh, month or so, you know, trying to explore different ways of constructing things within a shorter time frame or uh, with more relevant materials because of uh, cost or whatever. Um, obviously, the, the virus has impacted a lot of businesses uh, from a cash perspective. So we've been looking to deliver projects in a shorter time frame or on a smaller budget. Do you, let's move on to the um, more We've been talking more generically, but now to, to speak a little bit more about the impact of the virus on our business in Asia. Um, how much has it impacted your business over the last two months? Yeah, it's, I think we found ourselves to be in a pretty reasonable situation, all things considered. You know, we, we still get a lot of requests from work. Um, not just in Asia, but overseas in the U.S. Uh, and Middle East, uh, Africa. So, from a, you know, are we still getting opportunities to do projects? Yeah, you know, um, uh, are our projects on hold or have they been delayed? Uh, for the most part, no. You know, because again, our projects take such a long time to 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 come to fruition. Um, we've been busy our, our projects are still in construction um you know we are still looking at opening hotels as early as end of next year uh, and as late as 2023 right do you see the 
long-term impact of the virus on design in terms of social spaces as something that is going to change substantially? I, I think if, if you think of the pandemic in terms of not having found the cure or a vaccination, um, with, with that in mind, then yes, design will need to change because spaces uh, that relied a lot on social interaction would no longer be as um, favorable, I guess, by consumers. You know, we always want to keep that distance, social distance. But assuming post-pandemic that there is a um, cure, a cure um, then I think we end up going pretty close to where we are today. It just ends up being, you know, in, in the history of hotels and, and resorts, it ends up being a social, you know, a slight blip on the time frame, right? Right, but... Yeah, and, I, and, and I, I, I tend to agree with you. Again, we were talking about change in lifestyle and change in um, behavior. I sense that there's going to be a pragmatism, perhaps a more a greater humility mm-hmm. in overall consumer behavior. Maybe I'm being optimistic. I mean, I, I do wake up some mornings and think, no, nah, it's just going to go back to what it was <laughs> and people are going to... People are not going to be as pragmatic or humble as, as we hope they're going to be. But do you think that should there be an, a, a general shift in behavior, it will impact the lifestyle, lifestyle brands and lifestyle segment? Well, I hope so. I mean, it's if anything, you know, every time there's so, something like this happens in the world, you always see people rising to the occasion, changing and helping each other out. So I, I hope, like you do, that, you know, it it does sink in that, you know, that this virus has taught us to do things that we didn't think to do naturally before. That's uh, no, absolutely true. What about well-being? Do you think the, the, the obviously pre-virus in the analog world, that we, the ancient world that we used to live in, yeah. there, well-being was becoming more and more popular, is both physical and mental well-being going to be a trend that you feel from the clients that you're speaking to and from your own mind will become a a much bigger trend in the future? I I think it'll become, I hope it'll become more of a lifestyle that a lot of us uh, will embody. I mean, we have projects where, you know, we are working on quite a considerable wellness component. Um, In fact, you know, if you go back just you know, a few years ago, uh, the word spa was much more prevalent than the word wellness. You know, right. Focusing on... Spa is analog. Yeah, spa is analog, right. Um, wellness is, is digital. And I think it'll just be become a natural part of our lives that you automatically think of health, your own well-being, as you go about living your lives, right? It just becomes in sync with your life. And will that be precipitated in the higher-end luxury space? It, it is. In fact, we are currently working on projects where, you know, the wellness component is considerably larger than anything we've ever done before. And it embodies everything from not just treatments, but also more um, proactive or more um, lifestyle-changing um, 
sort of teaching about wellness and making wellness part of uh, the guest's experience at the hotel, you know, be more active rather than passive. I'm pretty confident that this, the, the, the pandemic will actually be a catalyst yeah. to a greater universal need. Clint, you always say, and, and, and you know, the work you've done over the, over the last 10 years is amazing. You always talk about being prevalent in the luxury space. We, as a firm, are now trying to, to evolve the perception of luxury into, from a hostel through to a high-end hotel or resort. What are your thoughts on that? And what do, you, what do you believe is luxury or is the luxury of the future? I was asked the other day, you know, what I thought about uh, affordable luxury. Um, and I've always felt that, you know, luxury shouldn't be limited to just wealthy. one segment, just to the wealthy. You know, and I think there's a lot of room to create something on the lower segments of the hotel industry that still cater to luxury or still that'll redefine luxury in a different sense. You know, it's not about, from my perspective, not about having the most brightest thing, the most expensive thing as luxury. You know, I think hopefully this pandemic will have taught us to appreciate things, um, all, all things, and not just things that are expensive as luxury. You know, that there is space for, um, to enjoy, to to appreciate simpler things that are still luxurious. So it would be fair to say that, I mean, whether we use the word affordable luxury or any kind of luxury, that the democratization formed, precipitated or catalyzed by the virus will accelerate or should accelerate greater appreciation in all areas of hospitality. I think so. You know, I, at one point, I was toying around with the idea of um, having really small rooms, um, but really well done, um, like a pied de terre, right? The idea that idea of having these really great little jewel boxes, um, but well done. You know, why does a a fifteen square meter room need to feel like a low end product? Right? I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Clint Nagata, founder and creative partner of Blink Design Group, thank you so much for being a part of the future of travel. Stay safe, Clint. Thanks, David.